We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. Making Queer History. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about Algabalus. But before we jump into that, we are going to look at some of the big changes that have happened. And a lot of this will be new for y'all and a lot of it won't. Again, our patrons get podcasts a month early. So this might be new information to them, but it's probably, you'll have seen some of it if you're not a patron, but some of this is still going to be new to you. So get excited. Me and Dean decided that we were going to make some pretty big changes for 2020. And I just sort of wanted to go over that all of them for y'all. So like, you know what they are. There are some that I probably won't mention just because like there were a lot of little changes going on as well. But here are some of the big changes that we did. One, we rebooted our shop. So we got rid of almost all of the old designs and put in new ones. I'm really excited about this. I, I've been wanting to clean up our shop for a little while now, but I always felt bad because I'm like, oh, but maybe someone will buy those designs. Maybe they'll want it. But you know what? We're going to pare it down for a while, keep it to our favorite, favorite designs. And in the coming months, we're also going to make it possible for patrons to choose some of the upcoming designs because we're going to be rotating some in and rotating some out because we want to just keep the shop fresh for y'all and keep making new designs. And that's pretty exciting. So we're pretty excited to do that, including some really great designs that Dean's got in the works. So if you haven't looked at our shop recently, you should really, really do that now because there's just a lot of amazing stuff going on there. And Dean has made some amazing stuff and you will probably see something that you've never seen before. So check out our shop. Um, you can find the link at our website, www.makingforhistory.com which we have also changed to make more accessible, including more image descriptions and a lot of other technical stuff that Dean knows much more about than I did. And yeah, we made a whole bunch of changes to make the website more accessible. So we're also going to be organizing monthly Q&As on different social medias. We'll release more of the details on the social medias themselves, but basically we're going to rotate through Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and maybe Facebook and just do a little Q&A so y'all have some time to talk to us. And we also have some time not to worry too, too much about social media because we want to focus a lot more on our writing and the podcast and stuff like that rather than social media. So the Q&A is going to make it so we still talk to y'all and answer whatever questions you have. Also, another thing that we did is we've made a Google file for everyone who wants to become a patron where we have all the designs we've ever made, including all the presentations we've ever made in a Google file so it's all in one place so you don't have to search all through Patreon to find it because they're, they're sort of scattered before. It's so that anyone who's a patron can get any design they want for a reward and not just the designs that are currently on the store. So if you're a patron and you want uh, one of your rewards because patrons all get sort of like rewards for being patrons because we love them. If you want one of your rewards in a design that is no longer up on the shop that is not only totally possible but something we can like easily, easily do. So if you see a design that you want in that folder, you can get it, but these are exclusively for patrons. All the designs will only be available to patrons from now on. Along with that, we're gonna have the song at the beginning and end of this podcast, downloadable for patrons on that Google file. 
and yeah, just like presentations and stuff. So they can just go through all the information there and download what they want and use it whatever way they want to. So if you're interested in that, please do become a patron. There's also another thing having to do with Patreon, which is that we've restructured our reward system again. And this one's going to be hopefully like the one we stick with from now on. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, to start giving stickers to patrons again. I really miss giving stickers to $1 patrons because y'all are honestly some of my favorite patrons of all time. So I'm really excited to give stickers to y'all again because I just like sending out stickers as well. So that's another big change. All of our reward tiers have changed. So if you were looking at becoming a patron, but you didn't because you were like, oh, there's really no like reward for it that I'm interested in that sort of moved on. I would give a second to yourself to look at it now because there's been a whole bunch of changes. And if you were sort of like, I sort of want to become a patron, now is really your best time because this has probably the most rewards we've ever had for patrons. So you should definitely look at that out. We also have Instagram, which is totally changing the format. I wasn't happy with how Instagram sort of looked and I didn't really know what to do with it for a while. So we sort of are doing this beta test thing where on days that are significant in queer history, like the date someone died or the day someone was born, we are recognizing that and just being like, hey, on this day, Oscar Wilde was born. On this day, Magnus Hertzfeld was born. On this day, da 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 was born or died. Or like important times like Black History Month, LGBT History Month, and stuff like that. We're going to be trying to recognize as much of those as possible. Um, similar to the things that we have on our calendar, though our calendar is fancier. This is still fun in my opinion. And you'll get some little fun facts about the person if you haven't read our article about them at that point. So that's exciting. We're also going to be just like cleaning up all of our social medias and just making them more coherent and consistent so that we can spend more energy and time on writing these articles and recording this podcast instead of spending all the time on social media. And that is it. Aren't we all really excited? Yeah, it's, I think there's like a couple more small things like uh, Dean making the website more accessible and stuff like that, like a couple details that I'm just really excited for y'all to see. If you want to see all of it more laid out thoroughly, definitely check our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash queer history. And just sort of see all the changes that are coming up in 2020. I'm really excited to share 2020 with y'all and tell y'all a lot more about making great history. And 2020 will be a good year. Yeah. I, I'm like manifesting that energy into the world right now. Mm -hmm. It will be a good year. It will be a queer year. Mm -hmm. And we all know this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just in general, really exciting thing happening. Become a patron if you can. And yeah, I think that's all there is for news in making queer history. We also have some exciting sort of things coming up in the works, including working on making a couple more presentations in Edmonton. So if you're an Edmontonian, keep your eye out on our social medias for any of these presentations because we will be promoting it. And I will hope to see all of you there. I don't care if you live in Germany or Russia, please be there. Um, I need the boost in confidence to see y'all out there. And yeah, so we're going to be doing a presentation that I'm super excited about. Actually, a series of presentations that I'm super, super excited about. And we're going to be sharing more details with Patreons on Patreon. So now that that is sort of all out of the way we can get down to talking about Elagabalus. So this is someone that I'm like a little intimidated to talk about because Dean knows this person really, really well. And I'm a little intimidated by how smart he is. And if I screwed up, I think he'll call me out. So... And also keep in mind that a lot of the information about Elagabalus is sort of uncertain mm -hmm. because 
for various reasons that we will talk about later, uh, there have been a lot of lies mm-hmm. spread about El Cabalus, and so a lot of the history that you find is not always true. Yeah, and there's definitely a narrative that has been pushed harder by historians than another one. Because she had multiple intersections of marginalization, um, you can definitely see why people would want to shove her story down. And also, I feel like there's been a little bit of unfairness given to her because she has not been treated like a lot of other very young leaders in her time mm-hmm. have been. But either way, we're going to jump into it. I'm excited. So Elgabalus, what we do know is she was born around the year 204. She was raised by her mother and grandmother and is a transgender girl. So let's get jot that down. About. Yeah, jot that one down. Also, girl from Syria, which definitely had an effect on how she was displayed later in life. At around the time when she was 14, her grandmother set in action this plot. Very convoluted, to be honest. Yeah. It's one that's really hard to keep up with. But this plot to get Elgabalus to become the empress mm-hmm. of Rome. Yep. Or like of the Romans, the Roman Empire. Yep. And the plot included... Various suspicious rumors of heritage. Yeah, and also included the possible killing of someone. Yep. And the definite killing of someone later. Yeah. Because um, I think it was the grandmother's lover? Slash Elgabalus' teacher. Slash Elgabalus' teacher, who Elgabalus apparently maybe killed... Because he was like, hey, can you tone it down? And she was like, no. Refused and murdered. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Here's where things get a little murky. Um, She was put in power at a very young age. She was 14. And when- she was very fond upon, since she was transgender for a very long time, people perceived her as male. And because of this, they also perceived her as a young boy, which was something that was really, really highly prized and sexualized in the culture at the time. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she was sort of given a lot of a very specific type of power. And it was not a healthy situation for a child. No, she was not put into an easy situation. Mm -hmm. And um, she definitely made bad choices, as a lot of children would in that situation. Again, 14 years old and put into an enormous amount of power for that kind of age. And did end up being empress and... Yeah, so a lot of things went downhill from there. And a lot of things were said about her, specifically Mm -hmm. because she was... Transgender, she was transgender, bisexual. And she was also from Syria. Yes. Which had a huge impact because of the xenophobia and the, mm-hmm. and the straight up racism. There's a, a specific rumor around her drowning guests in roses, which is an anti-Syrian sort of sentiment slash stereotype, which, yeah, it's, it's a rough one. Um, there's a lot of like really <sighs> sort of low-key impossible stories told about her as if they're actually like they actually happened. And I I have no doubt that she did ridiculous things with her power. Because she was a teenager. Because she was a teenager. She was given a huge amount of power for that age. But um, there's a lot of stories of just like, yeah, just a lot of ridiculous things. And it's really hard to parse out what is true and what is not true. Because so much of like what we know about her, first they just tried to erase her from history. Shocker. Mm -hmm. Someone tried to erase a queer person from history. But um, not only that, but like not only was it erasure, but then it was also lies and misinformation. So it's really, really hard to tell which one's true because like some lies seem like maybe they could be true, but you're really never sure. 
And a lot of people also talk about how she, because she had a different religion mm-hmm. than, than most Romans, how she tried to push her religion onto other Romans and make them celebrate other holidays, things like that. And while you're like, okay, that could be true. Is it? Is it? You never really fully know. Like, you, you can know in some ways, but like, yeah, it's just really, really hard to tell with some of the facts. Especially about parties that she threw. Because apparently... Mm-hmm. She threw a lot of parties. And a lot of parties that people spread a lot of rumors about. And apparently there was a lot of violence in these parties, a lot of sex, stuff like that. And yeah, it's hard to know which parts of it are true or which parts are not. But we can sort of piece together that Elagabalus wasn't the greatest person at the same time, including mm-hmm. marrying a Vestal virgin. Which was like a huge no. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. And you really shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And so she got in trouble, and then the Vessel version got in trouble. And content warning, we should have done this earlier. There's a content warning, quick suicide mention. Just feel free to skip past this, like, next about 30, 40 seconds. Um, but the, the, the virgin did kill herself after the marriage because of something that happened. We don't know what it was. Again, doesn't sound like a great situation. Or that Elgabalus did anything super great in that situation. But at the same time, how much of it is true, how much of it isn't, it's sort of difficult to tell. But we do know that she was definitely transgender and asked to be sort of addressed as empress by certain people. And would go out at night often disguised as a sex worker. And yeah, had a very publicly discussed sex life. Which is, it's hard to tell if that is because she was open about it or because a lot of it wasn't her being open but people prying or just making up information right Mm -hmm. and specifically because she was queer and because she like had sex with people of multiple genders Mm -hmm. of course there was a lot of controversy Mm -hmm. which is like stupid and annoying but also very contextualized at the time it's very yeah she definitely had relationships with both men and women and they were definitely sexual with with both including apparently having a chariot like that was dragged by like naked girls so that's a thing that's definitely a choice and she also had at least one of her like servants be addressed as her husband mm-hmm. which is like a huge class difference obviously can mm-hmm. you sorry And she just, there are numerous rumors about the kind of sexual activities that she engaged with Mm -hmm. and things like that. And again, you can never really entirely know which part is true, which part some people invented, which part historians are more inclined to believe because it's a more sensational story. Definitely. But at the same time, there's definitely some facts within this, but again... It's really, really hard to tell sometimes. But what we can know is that she was very quickly not well-liked and was not the greatest ruler of the time or of all time. And while her grandmother worked really hard to make the political decision and make them solid... Elagabalus was not a very diplomatic person and did not make friends along the way. Or at least not many. Mm -hmm. And with the... All the different marginalizations she faced and all the different aspects of her that were interrogated by the people around her. It was not too long after that that people were like, okay, this isn't going to last. This isn't going to work out. She was only an empress for about four years. Yeah. And her grandmother wasn't the one in the end to like 
be like, okay, this has to stop. And then she... I don't know, say she has a... a, This one's very short. Again, this person died very young. Yeah, she was 18 when she died. Yeah. And she died after a coup that was started by her grandmother. Yeah, and and both she and her mother died in the coup, and it was like a very violent death, which you can read more about if you're interested in the article that we wrote, but there's a lot more like... details about, like, the gossip and the rumors around her life there as well. But we're not going to dive too much into her death here because it is it can get very graphic. And if you want to get, like, more of the details, a lot of the sources at the end of the article have a lot more detailed description of what happened to her and her mother. But yeah, I find it very interesting that in the end, her grandmother brought her into power and also her ended that power mm-hmm. and put a new person into power. Mm-hmm. And um, while researching, I definitely found a really good quote sort of describing Elagabalus' life. And it is from John Endale from The Good Men Project. So, but what should our verdict be on her? Does Elagabalus deserve to be more widely or favorably remembered today? One could perhaps single out as admirable her determination to be as open as possible about her sexuality and about her own perceptions of her gender, but what of her equal determination to enforce her own religion or her habit of having her critics murdered, which that happened too, or her attempts to dispose of the young Alexander? Personally, I liked just knowing that there are people like Elgabalus around. I like stumbling across them in the corners of history where they were not expected, regardless of whether or not the case can be made for having them lived inspirational lives. Fundamentally, Elagabalus's trajectory as emperor was determined less by her gender and sexuality than by the fact that she was a spoiled teenager who had suddenly found herself in possession of absolute power. Like Nalagula, Nero, and Commodus, she paid the inevitable price for being no good at a job which she should clearly never have been given. In this respect, at least, there was a certain tragic normality to her reign, and any history that finds a more prominent place for the Empress should perhaps also find a place for that fact. Which I I really love that quote. Unfortunately, in that quote, the original version of it, there's a lot of misgendering, which is not super... But I think that's a very legitimate point. She had things like she tried to get her political opponents murdered. She tried to murder young Alexander. And there's a lot of reasons to dislike this girl. But the be all end all is that she was a child. Mm -hmm. She never should have been in that situation. Not at all. Like she should never have been nowhere near it. Mm -hmm. And like, obviously higher standards and harsher critiques are always put on people with uh, intersections of marginalization. I don't think she would have gotten as harsh criticism for this rule if maybe she didn't come from Syria or if maybe she wasn't transgender and was a cisgender girl or if maybe she was straight. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It and like viewing this before realizing that she was a teenager and like just hearing the story about her, I was like, oh wow, that, those are some choices. choices to have made. But like realizing that she's a teenager, I'm like, oh, okay. That's sorta, exactly where that comes from. Yeah. And it sort of reminds me, and this is like completely unrelated, but it reminds me of this TV show that used to air in Norway when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And it was about putting one of the, the teenagers of the family in charge of the family's budget for an entire month. Mm. And they would the, the teenager would just be handed the suitcase with like however much money the family made in a month mm-hmm. and would have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And most months, it it like ended disastrously. 
Of course, because that's Cause a teenager. That's a teenager. And, like, this is not, not in any way to mock teenagers. I just think it's, like, you come into this world, and it's frightening, and it's big, and it's so much larger than anything you've previously ever known. So, of course, you're going to struggle with navigating it. And, of course, you're going to not understand the context. It's everything is sort of very different to how you grew up as a child. And, like, not only that, but, like, giving a child without knowledge of the world just like that absolute power is incredibly irresponsible definitely because it's not just like screwing over the people they're in power of but it's also obviously harming the child we had a not a program that i remember but there was an episode of i i'm gonna throw back for all you people who grew up religious an episode of adventures and odyssey about that and I, I definitely remember that and you know kids aren't supposed to have that in their heads definitely not like definitely they can learn it but you don't give them that power because they're not ready for it you teach them first yeah you don't need to just hand that to someone you have them go slowly into it and that's definitely something that people within the queer community have experienced the wrong end of because as soon as you come out there's a lot of people around you who expect you to be a lot more adult than you mm. are you're still a child and not only are you expected to be someone brave enough to come out to your family as a child, you're also expected to be someone able enough to educate them as a child on your sexuality and on your gender. And you always get these things that people will be like, well, you have to be patient with these people. You have to explain it to them. And while the reality of it is, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to explain this to people. It just feels really sad that we force queer teens to do this labor when they're children mm-hmm. they're, like y'all are children you don't your parents should be doing or your guardians or whoever is in this place where they're demanding all this labor from you should be the ones googling it should be the ones checking it because you know they're the adult and obviously in a more extreme circumstances queer children are forced to grow up early because of being kicked out or abused and all the trauma that comes along with that and they're forced to forced to grow up way faster and put in these positions of power over their lives and then people are confused at like why there's trauma they're upset why yeah. there's negative reactions to this trauma and i also think that not like even without negative external impact of that kind just like realizing that you're queer takes you on this long journey that just moves you ahead oh 100% and it puts you in such a uh, position of power over yourself sort mm-hmm. of because suddenly you have to decide what you want to do with all this information you've mm-hmm. gained. And I think it's just really unfair because it comes from the the idea that being straight and cis and, and allosexual and... All the intersections of privilege. Yeah. It all comes from the place where those things are viewed as normal and, and, and the norm. And the default. And so having to suddenly discover that you're not part of these groups that you've previously thought yourself to be a part of is really jarring and upsetting and it forces a lot of people to grow up faster than maybe they should have yeah and that's a lot of responsibility to put on kids Mm -hmm. to force them to go on this self-searching journey when they could just be like oh cool and not only that but to force some level of certainty onto this kid these kids because like when you're young you have so many phases of your life Mm -hmm. but none of them are as punished as harshly as queer ones. That's true. Like, if you're... It's 100%. We talked about this last episode. It's 100% normal to think one thing about your identity and then be like, oh, shoot, another thing. Just like if we grew up being like, I really like soccer. And then you're like, oh, shoot, I actually like um, ballet or something like that. That's 100% normal. 
your interests and your personality and who you are as a human, you're gonna learn more about that as you grow up. That's normal. But there's such a high standard put on queer kids because it's like, no, you need to know perfectly right now. Mm -hmm. Or if you ever learn differently, it'll be proof that you're like unreliable in mm -hmm. some way, which is such ridiculous. That standard. you were actually lying. Mm -hmm. And it's just so upsetting. It's, it's really upsetting. And you know, queer kids deserve better. And yeah, just queer kids deserve more space to be children. And children in general deserve and, more space to be children. And queer teens and teens in mm -hmm. general. I just like include anyone under the age 18 as children. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> like in my head, y'all are, y'all are kiddos. <laughs> I'm not too much over 18 myself. Like, well, I am. You are. I'm significantly over 18. But like, children. <laughs> That's a child. But Yeah. I think all, we can say that all queer people mm -hmm. deserve to have more time. To be a child. To be a child and to process and to be allowed doubt. 100%. And while El Elagabalus is not an example of the sort of coming out aspect, she's definitely an example of a teen who just was forced into this impossible situation for a teen to deal with and then punished when she didn't deal with it well. And... Yeah, I think something that like the queer community knows very well is sort of finding ways and finding outlets to have your childhood in a situation where you're not really given that opportunity fully. Like, not to say the obvious thing, but like how many queer adults do we know that are into Steven Universe, which mm -hmm. is in the end a children's show. There's so much of childhood that you didn't really get to see as a child, as a queer child, as someone who was a queer child who never got to see themselves in media, seeing queer children's media is so valuable to me. And, and it it's is, so healing. It's so healing. And it's allowing me to like access that child part of me that like did not get that as a child. And yeah, so I think that like, while this is definitely a very short episode of our podcast, because the person died so young, I think there's a lot to say for the fact that she was 14. 14 through 18. She didn't get a chance to be an adult. She didn't get a chance to make those good choices because just an impossible situation was forced on her. Again, that's not excusing anything that she did because she made mistakes, but, and 100% she should have answered for those mistakes, but not through death, <laughs> ideally. I think it's safe to say. And you know, Again, an impossible situation to put a child in. And is the child really to blame when they're put in that position? At least not 100%. So leaving you on that thought. <laughs> yeah, leaving you on that thought. We're going to move really quickly to the next part of our podcast, which Called... is Wrecking the Queers. Yeah, and y'all are going to wreck us if there's anything for us to be wrecked with. Actually, not really. There's nothing. Y'all have been gentle with us lately. I love it. Well, no, actually, I like when y'all call us out, too. If you fun. have anything to say to us, you can find all our social medias. At our website. We have a Tumblr, a Facebook, an Instagram, a Twitter, a Pinterest. Yep, and we that's pretty much it. We also obviously have the podcast, and we have articles that come out three times a month, and a podcast that comes out once a month, a month early for patrons. And if you want to email us, you can email us at... QueerHistoryPatreon at gmail.com. Thank you. Please do email us. Uh, we love to hear what you have to say, whatever it is about what we've said, and, and call if you us have, out. Yeah, if you have a roast, if you have compliments, send them in. We love to hear from you guys. Mm -hmm. If you do send something in, we might probably read it aloud. Unless you specify not to, then we won't. You, yes. of course, of course, can specify not to. And generally, unless you say we can, we won't mention your name just because, like, we don't want anyone to be surprised by that. Mm -hmm. But we just really, really love getting feedback from y'all. Mm -hmm. 100%. And now moving on to the wreck. 
which means a recommendation from me. So I'm going to recommend this month Tea Dragon Society. Love that. Which is a children's graphic novel. Maybe not children's, but like middle grade graphic novel by Katie O'Neill, which is just so soft and sweet and gently queer. It's about this fantasy world where tea comes from dragons. It's so pure. And the dragons are so cute. Speaking of like reliving or like re-examining. I don't know, like reliving childhood. I don't know if that's the word for it, but like embracing things for children that you were not given as a child yourself. This was such a sweet one. It is, I only have the book, like the first one, though I also have a plush of the chamomile that dragon, which is so, so adorable. It's and so I love. cute. And yeah, it's just like a really sweet book. It has some queer characters. It has some disabled characters. It has a lot of representation on a lot of different things. It deals a lot with like mental wellness. Yes, which I love. And like, it's a very slow book, which I also really, really enjoy. It's not like a long book, but it's like very gentle in its journey. And it's going to take you there when it gets you there. And that's, I personally really love. And yeah, all the characters are super sweet. There's a lot of discussion of like both mental and physical disabilities and yeah, I just think it's a really great book that y'all should definitely give the chance if you have the time in the coming months. I know everyone's super busy around this time of year. So give yourself a break. It'll take like tops 40 minutes to finish. More likely much shorter time. But you know, you may take some time to look at illustrations or it may take you a little longer to read the words. It doesn't matter what it is. It's a great comic. I love it. I love having it. And I'm sharing it with y'all. You can also follow the creator on Instagram. Yes. You can follow them and find other books. I think there's even like a board game of yes, this thing, there which is, is so which sweet. I want so badly. And I think the plush still exists. I'm not sure if the plush still exists, but if it does, you should get it because it's very, very cute. Just support them in general. We're huge fans of people who create queer content. And Katie O'Neill created some queer content that we love. Don't tell us that she's an awful person. Okay, if she's an awful person, do tell us and we'll be like, hey, don't give her money. But like at the same time, um, the a big part of Wrecking the Queers is that we, the creators aren't really, we don't talk to them. We don't do a lot of research into them. It's only about the content itself, if it's going to be good for y'all. So check that out if you have the time. I think it's a great read. I think it's a nice little break in whatever you need to do. It's such like a soft embrace. Yes. Of some Just like tea. tea. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And it's tea that's not, you know, the scalding variety, which I think all of us need. Soft soft tea. Soft tea. Let's take some soft tea instead of all of us spilling the tea everywhere. (laughs) Just drink it for a bit. I'll just sip the tea for a little while, okay? Take a sip, please. Please, let's just sip the tea for a little while instead of spilling it everywhere. You can also hold it in your hands if you're not a big fan of tea. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is a bit of a shorter episode just because we have a lot going on at the moment, but also because the person's life was very short as well. So an accurate representation of that. But we really enjoyed talking to y'all and yeah. And thank you so much for listening to us. Exactly. We love that there are people out there that just have our voice noises come out from their music boxes exactly and love that i love that we're part of people's schedules i think that's really lovely it's so pure and we're really happy when you tell us that oh i listen to this on the way to work or oh i listen to this every time i'm on the bus or every time i'm making food Mm -hmm. hearing that kind of things we really really enjoy being part of every person listening to this life yeah yeah even in whatever small way even if you don't listen to us regularly and you just 
find us when you find us, or if this is your first time finding us. We're really grateful you're here, and we are really grateful for your opportunity to share stories of queer people throughout history with you. It has been really wonderful to have you all, and I wish you all the best 2020. Mm -hmm. I hope it is good and queer. And gentle. And treats you well. And y'all are able to rest during it. Because I know 2019 really kicked some butt. It definitely did. So let's get some rest in 2020. All right. And remember, history is queerer than you think. We have always existed and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slumbered, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you think. Every step we're taking is history.